welcome to Three Decades of Tragedy, a history of the Thirty Years' War. So, thank you for those who are coming back, and if for those of you who noticed issues last week, I'm just getting used to this recording process, so I'll try to I'll try to work on my form later later on. For those of you who are curious how this podcast is scripted and structured, I tend to I take notes and lay out a basic structure of facts I want to list in chronological order of the in the episode, and then I sort of record. So I'm not fully scripting yet, so I'm not recording every word. I'm just trying to get the general ideas and what I know across. So I'm not recording every single phrase. For those of you that are curious about the structure of the actual content, the, the, it will roughly cover about four phases. The first phase, which we will introduce to soon, is the Bohemian Revolt, then at the Danish Intervention, the Swedish Intervention, and the French Intervention. Basically, fashions kept jumping into the war. So it gets more and more complex as it goes on. So before we jump into today's episode, we'll be covering the general structure and organization of the Holy Roman Empire, who will be the key player and battleground of this war. It will cover the general political structure and sort of political structure and the issues that were involved in ruling such countries such as the Holy Roman Empire. But first, I feel I should give you a short summary of the history of the Holy Roman Empire, just so you get some context. So it was initially founded by Charlemagne in 799, so late 8th, early 9th century, depending on what you want to call that, who was crowned by the Pope as the King of the Romans, who incidentally kind of annoyed the Byzantines, but that's a whole nother camp and not what I'm covering here. And eventually, I, and I'll be posting links, I'll post be sort of images later, so, so you get a visual reference. The eastern half is what sort of became what we know as the Holy Roman Empire, whereas the western half became became what we know as France due to due to secession of how Charlemagne's which basically meant each son inherited a, a part of the, the land of the father which then led to civil war in between three three brothers because it was originally split into three sections and then those and then eventually that came came out to being France and the Holy Roman Empire on a political level the Holy Roman Empire as a whole operated on, on an elected monarchy which was effectively a if you were, if you had a princely title which I will cover later the Holy Roman Empire used an elected monarchy so, so every time a monarch died, the various electors would vote for the next emperor. Instead, so it didn't operate like most monarchies, which was secession by family or by blood. Although that could happen, but not, it wasn't inherently because of blood. So, technically speaking, this also led to issues of it was hard to control the whole the people of the whole Holy Roman Empire due to basically there's a lot of different subgroups, a lot of different minor principalities. But imagine a group of small children in like a playground, but they all have swords and many of them don't like each other. And just imagine that nightmare scenario trying to run a country. In Peter Wilson's book, however, he actually makes an interesting point of saying that due to it's actually the fact that it was so decentralized, it it could withstand hits that many bigger countries could not due to the fact that taking out one person did not ruin the country, which I find interesting. And I believe it actually. And by, and by our time, and by the time our war takes place, 1618, the Holy Roman Empire is made up of what is today modern Germany, Austria, Luxembourg, the Czech Republic, Western Poland, and Tuscany. So a lot, of, most of Central Europe. Now onto the you know the details, which I was which I promised you earlier. The the structure of power, political power in the Holy Roman Empire was a very clear hierarchy of statuses. Although plenty of them would fight each other, fight each other politically and actually you know with swords. That was discouraged, but. You know, the emperor almost only had so much control over his vassals. The current ruling family was the Habsburgs, who you probably know from like Maria Theresa, if you played the Civ games. That was her family line, which we'll talk about 
the Habsburgs a little later. Effectively, there was a loose constitution, in, in big air quotes, but effectively, there was a layout of what each what political power meant, what position meant, and what you got out of those positions of power, which the effective model was a feudalistic aristocratic model. So what you, what you think of feudalism, a.k.a. each person has someone above and below him to a certain... To, up to the up to the emperor who only really had the pope above him and that was in a religious sense but each person was obligated to serve somebody else and when they were called on to serve like in war or something like that they followed that but many times they were left to run their lands independently it was a very decentralized system unlike what people think of like absolute monarchies this was not absolute plenty plenty of times there was historically there was revolts you know all that sort of deal it was a mess at times Another interesting thing from today to a certain extent is power was based on the lands and titles that you owned, not how much money you had. So you could be rich, but not have power. You could be you could be a, a very impoverished nobility house, and you're still more powerful than a rich merchant, which I will cover later. The common title of many of the, of of this is prince, aka the title the term principality was a general term for a lot of the bigger territories in the Holy Roman Empire. Which, again, like earlier, I said I'll, I'll post the up to date to to the time of our war their their territory and their sort of political rough political divisions. But a prince was someone who had the right to vote in the in the elections and generally had a more who had a bigger gra- a bigger role in society compared to compared to other political people. And the land itself was either purchased or inherited through succession, which you know led to trading people and making alliances for land. It led to political squabbling and, and fighting. You know, all in a normal day's work in, the, in, a few, in medieval Europe. You know, a lot of fun. But the actual positions, and excuse me if I absolutely mess up German pronunciation because I don't, I'd never learned German in school. So I will, I'm going to cover the, the, na- the name positions and roughly what they were and what p- powers they had. At the head was the emperor, which was the was the ruling family of the Habsburgs. They were in charge. They were they had been elected for a couple centuries at this point into into rulership, which I will cover that in more detail in another time. Suffice to say, they had a lot of power. Unfortunately, they still had to go through niceties, whether bribery stuff like that, or just use threatens of threats of force to get what they want. But it was always a push and push and pull when it came to nobility. The next position was either was was which could use the term either. Reichsen Mitzelbar and Reichselhen. They were those who were directly given land by the ruling dynasty and generally were vassals and loyal to the emperor. They were given the most influence, the most generally the most land. They were the people who, while had the most power, they were also under the most watch to make sure they, you know, followed what the the emperor wanted at the time. And for those of you asking, I'm say, I, call, I say emperor because up until Maria Theresa, women could not inherit the position of Holy Roman Emperor. Call it what you want. It's the way medieval society worked. At least the Holy Roman Empire worked. That that group generally had powers over the land they ruled, but they also had to protect the interests of the greater Holy Roman Empire through military service, maybe money, asking for money, that sort of deal. The the second one name I enlisted the Reichslehen. They were the church, the church's lands. Unlike what people think, the the church in many places up until up until probably the modern era, many times the church owned land and they had people serving under them, they were effectively uh, landowners and titled nobility in all in all but name, just under the church instead of the emperor. Lords also could potentially share their lands between them if it worked for their if it worked for them. But that would require cooperation and alliances. 
alliances were trickier to, to maintain due to the political power games that were always going on in the Holy Roman Empire. And the next the next group is called the Landadel, who were smaller landlords who were not directly given lands by the, by the emperor. Maybe they had they, they had a one of the, the positions I just I named one of they one of them gave them land. But they were usually they had lesser power, but they still had a vote within the among the elector the electors to vote for the emperor. The other lords that weren't the Landadel did not have the right to vote in the elections for the next rulers of the whole Holy Roman Empire. One of the popular groups out of that was called the Reichsritter, who were those like I said, those that princely rank, and those were generally lesser knights, people who had fallen out of favor, and they had generally by the sixteenth century or so. Many of them had lost most of their political prestige and were basically not part of imperial politics, maybe local politics, but not greater politics. And the Habsburgs knew how to play the electors, so they would bribe, they would do whatever needs whatever they needed to secure votes, and that's how they secured their and that's how they secured their power over the centuries to maintain their control over the Holy Roman Empire. Another important aspect of sort of political pressure was there was also many cities operated almost as almost like city states to a certain extent. They had their own their own representatives. Some of them were like lower, some of them had their votes in them among the electors. Some of the major cities did. All of them had their own individual cultures and sort of their own problems and stuff they they had to deal with. Which, as I as will be shown throughout this podcast, the Holy Roman Empire was not some all German speaking unified place. This was a, a very diverse group of people, different cultures. Hell, even the, the Germans, the Germans had different, what we, what we call Germans today, had many different subtypes. However, outside of this political hierarchy, the Holy Roman Empire had a couple big issues that plagued them. One of them was a problem with all medieval communication. Communication was very slow. There was horseback sort of unofficial courier services. There was no real courier service as we know it today. It was very slow and people would f- could find out a month later about something that happened due to travel time. If you went by sea, if you had a connection to the sea, you could potentially move faster, but a lot of the Holy Roman Empire was landlocked, as you will see on the maps that I'm going to post. The other problem, as if you've, if, as if you've been keeping track, you noted there's a lot of different people with power in the country, and that led to inefficient government. Due, due to the decentralization of power, each lord ruled over their land with, with their own laws, their own stuff, and as long as they followed, they kept obedience to the emperor, many of the emperor didn't really care. So judges could be overly harsh at times, things wouldn't get done efficiently, Maybe there could be a famine and people would starve because the, getting getting aid would be hard or inefficient, and by the time they got there it was too late. Many other just problems that would come about that. The, and another issue that I little mentioned earlier was the fact that there was a wide range of communities and ethnicities or among the whole Roman Empire. So that meant it was hard to appeal to one group because every principality had their own culture. Every, had their like for example, like you will learn later, Bohemia were the worst arts were, were Slavic people, which roughly is the Czech Republic nowadays. Most of the Holy Roman Empire was well German macrocate problems, and other cities had and cities would have their own little subcultures that would have problems with other groups. So there was no cohesive. We're one people. It was a very loose confederation of people, if that makes sense. There was also a call for more voices among the electors and in general imperial politics. This mainly came from merchants. Many merchants were, were getting richer and richer, richer and richer due to the Renaissance, and many of them wanted into power, but due to titles being linked to land and ownership, many of them did not possess the right titles. So the merchants 
wanted to get land because many of them would have way more money than than nobility but the nobility were did not want new blood new blood into the noble pool due to it could eliminate their power they could become rivals for power so it was this con constant conflict between these people who want more power especially rich merchants higher up people among non-nobility so if you're thinking that oh these people are calling for more vo more voice more voices in, in power this is democracy it's like no this is not democracy this is People with money and no power wanting power. I'm not saying they're wrong or right. It's just it's, it was no great call for freedom, as people would imagine. I hope that through this episode, you come to a greater understanding of the basic structure of the Holy, Holy Roman Empire. So thank you for tuning in. And well, good news. I hopefully should be able to be getting out every episode every two weeks or so. I should be able to get an episode up every Wednesday or Saturday, depending on my free time. But one so one week I'll I'll research set up a set up a script and then the next week I will record edit do all that sort of stuff and, and get it up and if you're enjoying this podcast please mention it to your friends spread the word you know tell people about my my website uh, three decades of tragedy .com, my Facebook my Facebook page of the same name and those of you who are on podcasting sites and sources please leave reviews and reviews and ratings I love to see what you people think of my podcast. And next week we will be covering. The next week we'll be covering religion, which which is which by that I mean the creation of Protestantism and how it influenced the religious war that was to come in the Thirty Years' War. So once again, thank you, and well, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs>